0: Welcome to the Loans on Demand Podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand Podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents. And man, I'm excited for today's conversation. We have a legend in the mortgage space, Eddie Perez, CEO of EPM. He's most famously known for drinking raw eggs on social media and getting banned for 2 days. I'm just kidding, that's not what he's most famously known for, but he did do that. So, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you being here.
1: My pleasure. And I don't know if I call myself a legend. There's a lot of legends <laughs> in the i just say it. a legend in progress always.
0: Love it, man. Love it, man. Yeah. So, you know, I followed you on social media for probably a couple of years now. And, man, I've always loved a lot of the stories you tell and the leadership things that you talk about. Before we get into that, though, tell me about your background. What kind of got you into the mortgage industry? What makes you stay in the mortgage industry in a market like we're in today?
1: So, I'm going to say something that's probably a little crazy because I'll tell you it's crazy. They say love is crazy, right? Absolutely. It's even at a next level, it's unconditional. I adore this industry. I think what it does for your everyday American is unbelievable. And you hear the stories that broke out of poverty to change even the dynamic if they've been in this country four or five generations was used through real estate. It could be financed. It's just not sexy. However, right. neither sports. People love sports. People love the results. But to be great. There's a lot of stuff that just isn't sexy. So I really appreciate the discipline that this industry requires because with discipline is where you get anywhere in life and what it does. So that's what I'll start off with is why do I stay in it? I seriously wouldn't want to do anything else. I don't really know anything else outside of being a baseball player And those years have passed me after playing. I don't know, man. There's really nothing else I'd ever truly want to do. Just that simple. What I also love about this industry is it's not like you got to go to Yale. You, right. It's like sports. You get the best of the best because it's really about your grit, your determination, and your desire to improve. And it doesn't matter who your dad, your mom, you know, your gender, your ethnicity. It doesn't matter because it's all about maximizing the best version of yourself. I think that that entry barometer is needed, very similar to the military, very similar to sports. It's about your character and your code of life, not, no offense to anybody that has this, I got an MBA from Harvard, so automatically you need to pay me X. Now, BS.
0: Right, right, right. right.
1: The most powerful word I believe in the English language is do. It's what you do. Forget about Mm -hmm. everything else. It doesn't matter. You either do or you don't. And my background, I just, you know, studied finance in college. was stockbroker first. The 2001 crash paved a huge wave for me because I learned a lot from a language standpoint. When businesses are out there talking and leaders are talking, you kind of can see where the vision is going in the industry, which helped me in 2008 form EPM because I was a broker before that. And I saw the writing on the wall because it was the same language. And it also allowed me to make a commitment. I'd always come back to serve that community now that I'm either having to make a decision to double down or get out because everybody's all in on life we're not getting out of life alive. So you're all in, even if you don't know it. However, I do believe there's a time to double down and really follow your own principles and virtues and go all in. And this is who I am. I like people a lot. I'm a huge fan of humanity. I think a lot of people don't give it enough grace. At the same token, I don't think people have the courage to speak up when they should. And that leads to atrocities through history. And you've got to surrender to the outcome. So whatever hits you is going to hit you. Just hope you can take a good punch.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. One of the podcast guests on one of these calls was talking about something like you're going to see who's swimming naked by like how Buffett. they work. Yeah. Warren Buffett saying exactly. And yeah,
1: when the tide comes out, you'll see who's swimming naked.
0: Exactly. That's, Same thing.
1: Great doozies. He's also got, you know, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful.
0: Sure. Yeah. And those are some fantastic sayings because, you know, like obviously we've seen that in this market where, you know, people that in 2020 and 21 thought they were the best things since sliced bread all of a sudden realized like, oh, wait it's not as easy as it was and I'm not that good at what I do and I do need to improve. And so
1: and you could be actually though, you could be, be sure. Of good. course you just have to be so honest with yourself that if units are cut in half, I don't care how good you are. You're going right. to take chin. You just got to don't live your life on the high side. <laughs> you know, live yourself on yeah. what you can. I'm not saying don't enjoy. Cause I'm the first one to say, you got to live life. You got to have fun. Right. But don't go bonkers that it's going to rain forever. Cause sure. It's just—it's a math equation. It's just not even possible.
0: Right. Right. No, for sure. Especially those years, man. We were having two and a half, three percent rates. Like that was never going to last forever. But you know, it was fun while it lasted. I think for most people that experienced it, and then you know, just as quickly as it came, left. And so, you know, obviously, we've been left with uh, what eighteen months or so of pretty tough market. Pretty close to eighteen months of a tough market. And
1: I'll the- tell you honestly, I think there's eighteen months to go.
0: That's what I kind of think 12 to 18 months more of kind of a little bit. You know, it's not, we're just going to get out of this period. Like people are losing money, things like that. So there's going to be, you know, some corrections and things that need to happen. So that's awesome. I love talking about, you know, your leadership philosophy. And, you know, you talk about this a lot on social media and you show up as a leader on social media. I want to get into your social media stuff in a bit. But first, I want to sort of talk a little bit about kind of your leadership philosophy and what do you think about leadership and how can people become better leaders?
1: Okay. The price of leadership is what people have to underline. And, As a leader, if you really want to be a leader, and this is even if you want to be a good parent, because everybody's a leader in life. They just either choose to realize it or not. Right. First of all, you can't be a servant leader because that's just being a leader. Like, first of all, I'm a servant leader. Well, then if you even have to say that, it's just about being a leader. So that's the first. But you have to be willing to accept three things, and it's a tier. You can't take step two till step one. You've accepted. First, no matter what you do, no matter how much you empower people, you will be disliked. And it's not even dislike. Here's where I want to define it for people. There are people that will be envious only because they believe you cheated to get where you at or there's fake news because there is at times with people. I hate to say that. That's just humanity. Sure. Not being vulnerable, not trying to be Superman and show who you are, being more Clark Kent, as I would say. So they wear this armor and these masks instead of saying, yeah, I got some kryptonite, but here we go. Be ready on who I am. Right. So you're going to be disliked. Step one. Step two you're going to be misunderstood. People may not know your motives. It could be for anything. You know, that's why I think, you know, reading or listening to books is so powerful because when you start hearing people's stories, you start seeing a lot of similarities. Mm. And they are Superman, but they have kryptonite. It doesn't mean they can't be killed. It just means that they're completely okay with being misunderstood, even if they explain the why over and over. And It's because other people may have an agenda. That's just what it is. And it's okay. Or you may be wrong. Sorry, as a leader, you will be wrong at times. That's perfectly okay to own. And the third, this is the toughest. This is where most people cannot be a leader. You will have to make decisions, hard decisions, that mm-hmm. will impact people in a negative fashion that you care about for the betterment of the good. That one, some people just cannot even do. And you're it's seeing it now because you see people that are paralyzed, sadly. Yep. And it's a form of FOMO, fear of missing out, both ways. If I cut too much, I'm going to lose. And you just got to be willing, you know, not saying it because of my favorite sport, but baseball has a great way of humbling life. If you're a star, you literally fail 70% of the time. Literally, and you're considered a star.
0: Right, right.
1: However, if you make an error in the field, you get booted. So you've got to understand the tightrope about it. And you just got to be willing to accept that.
0: Interestingly enough, you talked about that you have to make those hard decisions. And last year, I had a mentor who told me this concept which really changed the way i looked about it and he talked about this thing He's like if you had sepsis in your arm right and if you didn't take care of it you would die you would cut your arm off because it's all about saving the organism right it's the same thing in business unfortunately sometimes we have to make decisions as leaders that mean we have to cut a piece of the organization out and that's not because they're not good or you know whatever they're not good people or things like that it just means that we need to save the organism that's also feeding multiple other families and that really changed the way I thought about it. A
1: lot of times people don't realize that in any business, the value you drive to the consumer and you got to think, sure. so, you know, it's why I have a mindset of, for our industry of lending, borrowers are best because they really drive or they should drive the end goal. I mean, they're the unspoken ones that we have to, as leaders, think about in all decisions.
0: Yeah. I think so many times people forget just how much impact homeownership does have on people and. If you can attach your why to something that goes beyond just like, oh, I'm doing it for my kids. I want to make money, things like that. Like, and you can actually prove one of our loan officers, I'm good friends with, did a training and one of his big whys is like, I want to empower rural America to be homeowners because on average, they have a much lower level of homeownership than, you know, sort of middle America. And he's like, you know, the USDA
1: what? loans, phenomenal. Exactly. And that's what they do. I mean, the majority of the loan, the lowest to that default too. Right. That's exactly. The,
0: the ones that have zero down. Interestingly enough. But there's no skin in the game, right?
1: Well, it's a, well, yeah, they have community. It's the ultimate skin in the game. Right,
0: right. Sometimes
1: you do need money to have skin in the game, but to your point, they have soul in the game. A veteran doesn't want to let down their country and their community. Right. A rural community, because they all go to one of five churches, all that stuff. Right. They don't want to let those people down. And it's not because of shame. They just seriously have this fear of not wanting to let down those that believed in them, which I completely can relate to.
0: Love it. Yeah, it's a wild thing. And, and you know, so many times people do like look down on those products or FHAs or you know, down payment assistance and things like that. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about is like, you know, what? So like maybe there is a default rate. Like you don't want to put someone into a program that they shouldn't be in either, right? Like you want to do this in a in a way yeah, that, you that makes got be prudent. Sense. You gotta be fair. Right. right, right. But like some people wouldn't have access to housing if they didn't have a down payment assistance, even if the default rate's ten percent. What ninety percent of people then have now built equity and wealth via home ownership it's never even know.
1: 10 it's like three
0: i know i know i'm just i'm <laughs> saying even if it was 10 percent, that's still 90 percent of people so it's like some people like like the virtue signal like, i don't believe in those programs i think whatever yeah and i'm like why not though like
1: i think you're changing from the fall too 100 100
0: people lose their jobs i mean
1: things happen like uh, you medical, know like is usually the big one medical no. really you know, juggernauts people.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. But, you know, I like to shift people's mindsets. It's like, and also the same thing around people like to say they're not salespeople. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like sales is leadership. Sales is you showing up and putting them in the position that they should be in based off of an analysis of their situation, right? Like most people think sales is pushing something on someone that they shouldn't be doing, but that's not in my definition. I don't know what your definition of sales is.
1: Yeah. Sales to me, actually, it's a great question. Thank you for asking it, is driving value. Now, yeah, if you give somebody that's not a value, yeah, you're an a-hole.
0: Yes, agree. True,
1: but if you're driving value, that's it. I mean, think about it. There's a reason why Apple and Chick-fil-A, who have some of the best hospitality and products, don't do sales. Mm-hmm. They're not for discount. They're not for the take. Drive a lot of value. Or at least perceived value. Hey, I know I'm biased. I do like the Apple more than the Android. i and, the opposite. Uh, that's why I said perceived value. <laughs> and uh, Well, it's like anything. What was your first smartphone?
0: Oh, yeah. It was not an iPhone. It was always... Yeah, a it's it's
1: yeah. whatever, it's kind of like I've found yeah. in Atlanta because there's a lot of good Mexican food, but you get like those Southwest type of places, whichever first one you went to. You either love Willie's, Mo's, for those people that are from around here, Qdoba. It's funny. It's usually the first place you went to, but yeah. It's funny. Okay. Chick-fil-A. Perfect example. We can go there. Chicken sandwich. Okay. That's not normal. Or oh, wow, I really like those waffle fries. Or I just know when the crap hits the fan, their drive through no matter how busy, out of that place in three seconds.
0: Right, right, right. And they're going to be nice to you when you leave too, right?
1: Oh, they're one of the ones that taught me how to not say you're welcome, but say my pleasure. Right. I completely got that from them because I did leave. I'm like, wow, why did that feel better? So then when you go backwards and reverse engineer, you're like, dude, it's because you said my pleasure. So in other words, you're not even saying you're welcome. You're saying my pleasure, which is just a higher form of respect.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I love that, man. And I want to touch real quick. I mean, in this space of bigger companies, you spend a lot of time on social media. So talk about like, why do you do that? Like what makes you want to do that? And I know because you're putting time in there and I see it. And it's
1: I, mean, I believe in putting in at least two hours a day and doing it yourself. Now, there are certain things I'll say the team puts out there for me, but not my comments or my likes or anything like that. That's actually yours truly, really doing that. Now they know when to send it out at what time and all that. And You know, the great thing about social media is it's really just media. It's just the new advent yeah. of TV. Mm-hmm. And growing up as a kid, the TV, if you didn't have a perfect commercial, you were viewed like you were in... Disarray now in social. If you don't show your scars, you're viewed in disarray. I just think it's a very good platform to be whoever you are, if you really are that vulnerable to lean into it. I think it's a great platform to connect with so many people. Sure. You know, one of the kindest things people say to me is, you know, because I always wonder. I'm like, so thousands have watched this, but I have like ten comments. Like, right. And you run into these people that, to your point, just want to keep it private, which is really, really awesome. Or they send me messages one on one of you know, I was having a tough day. Thank you. Hey man, I've had tough days too. And people been there. So it's really about, you know, the code of life and just paying that respect. I think it's the best way to grow your business because I think that people will truly enjoy who you are. And some people are going to dislike you. Who really cares? Yeah. David Goggins says it best. Love that guy. He's like, look, man, if you could walk on water, people complain because they'd say that you can't swim.
0: That's true. There's always someone there that wants to tear you down. That's true. I mean, at the end of the day, that's always a reflection of their state of mind anyway. It's one thing that I learned a few years back was, you know, anytime someone is freaking out or they're having a bad day and they take it out on you, it's never a reflection on you. It's always a reflection on something they've gone through. Maybe they're having a hard time in life, whatever it is.
1: You never know how somebody's feeling. And it's why my first kid's name is Grace. You got to give a lot of grace, man. You just do, man. It's in your best interest. It's even forgiveness is really about your own spirit. Yep. Yep. And that grace is like an act of forgiveness. And holding on to anger and resentment is a live bomb. It's just a matter of time till it goes off.
0: That's the truth. And, you know, one of the things that I'll say is, you know, from a leadership perspective, I feel like historically, emotional intelligence, especially for men, has not been something that's been talked about. We talked about mental health, but also, you know, even emotional intelligence, like, you know, it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to be vulnerable. It's not okay to do those things. It's not okay to be angry. It's like, why? Why has that always been the pervasive truth around, again, especially men? But I think in general, I think that's kind of the truth too. And so what are your thoughts on that?
1: Because for a long time through history, you have to look through history and really study it. Force was the prevailing method of operation to run your business aka a country till capitalism as much as people may not like it or some forms of it it does save us from consistently destroying ourselves you know right capitalism and freedom is only about 500 years old it's feudal system dictatorships everything of that nature so we can sit here and insult it all we want but i think now influence is more important which is the true form yeah. of power sure power gets a bad rap the word power when used by most people really means force indirectly making somebody, setting it up to make somebody think it's their idea. But that's still force. And that comes back to haunt you. I'm not saying you can't get short-term victories. You can And look, what I'll tell you this is if somebody comes to try to break your face first, you got a curb stall. You don't have to use force, but that can't be your first moves, your first whatever amount of moves needs to be more of influence. Hmm. And the only way to be influential is to be you and to be you at all times. And I'm not saying that you're always going to be you. You're going to have laps. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to be like, oh, dude, my God, I regret that. Oh, why did I do that? That's just life, man. And it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to strike out, man. That's just, it's, it's all right. Sometimes you're going to have a great idea, just like in baseball. Hit it on the screws and somebody makes a good play. That's all yeah. right. That's all right. But at least you were in the game to win.
0: It's all about being in the game and staying in the game. It's interesting. was The infinite game concept I've been really digging into recently. Yeah, it's been a concept I've really been digging into recently a lot too. And it's just kind of that concept of like, businesses have played as an infinite game is the best way to do it. Because like, you know, a lot of times we're like, well, we're playing to win. And it's like, we're just playing to stay in the game. That's really the goal. We're playing to stay in the game. Because if you're playing to win, it's a finite thing. What happens? What does winning mean? And so it's like, oh, well, we want to be number one. Okay, what does number one mean? Number one in volume? Number one in impact? Number one in, in what? right? Is it in units? Is it in, you know, like, I don't know, in compensation? Is it profit? Is it revenue? And then what? And then like, once you do that, then what? Then someone else is going to come get it, right? So what's the incentive at that point, right? So it's like, you know, we're just playing to win. And I started, we're not playing to win. We're playing to stay in the game. And then when you think about business from that perspective, you stop making short-term decisions. Such an interesting concept.
1: No, I like it. Great book by Simon Sinek. I've read it this year. It's true. And I love how they tell the story of, you know, the Vietnam War. You know, America was there just to try to stop the spread of communism, and what a lot of people don't know about that history is, did America lose the war? Yeah, because they gave up and surrendered, but technically, in every aspect of every stat like you just talked about, it's just the Vietnamese wanted their own gig, and they were willing to whatever the casualties were. They did not even care, and right. I'm not saying that that's smart. I'm not saying that that's brilliant. I'm not saying that that isn't a little bit of an atrocity. Sure. Ever, it's a very great illustrated point when it's a finite versus infinite game, because anybody who wants to have an infinite game, it is about impact and legacy, even if it's not what turns out to do the best, but that is a uh, understanding. And I'm glad that you know that because that's, I think, where a lot of leaders self-deceit, self-sabotage themselves yeah. without even being aware.
0: Sure. Well, and then we look at competitors and we're like, well, they're doing better and they're doing this. And then like, but better than what? And who cares, right? Like, just do your own thing, right? We're here to stay in the game, and I found myself doing that in comparison as the thief of joy, you know, it's the enemy of progress, things like that, right? So a lot of times we use that because we're like we want to be number one, and it's like it doesn't really matter because you know again, like what does number one mean? And even then, like then what? Now you want to stay number one? Like what's the goal again? And so it doesn't make a ton of sense if you think about it logically to view business as a finite thing. It's an infinite thing. And again, you make decisions better from that perspective. So, I'd like to touch a little bit on i know you just you guys have recently gone all in on the wholesale channel so double i want to double down, down double down not all in double down my bad we're all
1: uh, in on light, all of us every one of humans we're all in no matter what <laughs> if we want to admit it or not
0: right right yeah that's my bad i know you already said that and then i went over here and, and it's not, and, not it's myself just, it's clarity. <laughs> I love it, man. So talk about that. What led you to then double down on the wholesale channel? What's kind of that decision look like? And what's kind of the future you know, goals and plans as you kind of roll into that? Realm? So there's
1: a few factors. And you, know, you, you talk about living your best version of yourself and being authentic. Mm-hmm. I will open this up very clearly. I am not against retail. There is an evolution that has to happen in retail. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is retail wholesale, if you hire originators, and they go out to the consumer, that's just a channel, right? That's b to c, right? I mean, that's it. So instead of doing the weaponry, you got to think about it like this. So what's going to be in the best interest of the consumer? Like I say, my motto about borrowers are best and not mine, collectively ours. And, We went all down because my guy that had been with me 13 years, and by the way, I ran more of a corporate retail structure. I did not run the P&L model, and that's where I think a lot of evolution has to come because of those margins and just the cost structure to run that. Right. It's just not even advantageous today. So my guy came and said he wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I've helped, I can't tell you how many people that were former people together go start their own gigs and loved it because I do believe from an originator mindset, having been an originator, having been a broker... Funny story I'll share. My originators in retail would tell me, "You're screwing me. You're screwing me. You're screwing me." I know you have this built in, blah, blah, blah. and I'd be like, "Guys, you know, you need to go discover Loan Sifter, and you need to go be a, you know, non Dell TPO broker." Right. And ironically, they always call me back and be like, "Dude, yeah, you weren't as competitive certain areas, but other areas you were super competitive, and right. I could see it in this and that." A lot of originators don't know how pricing really is created. Fortunately for me, many mistakes. Building out who we are today. I did run our capital markets and actually understand the dichotomy behind it and even servicing values and all. I mean, I could geek out on all this forever. I don't know if we have enough time. Right. So we doubled down because when he came to me, I said, Absolutely, let me help you. And he's the one that had run it. And we've been here 13 years. So instead of living a life of going after somebody, I lived who I am. Like I say, don't be Clark Kent, be Superman. It's okay. And I just said, Look, there's no point in going back into retail because I'm not going to just chase something unless something shows up. However, when we really thought about it and evaluated it, we said, I do believe that the wholesale non-Dell channel, the TPO channel is a lot stronger for the consumer. I believe Mm -hmm. there's more flexibility and as crazy as it sounds, and I said it in one of my quotes that Dodd-Frank, which I'll be candid, there was a lot of concern when it was created that you know, brokers are to blame for the crash. Even sure. the lender, what I will say, that's very controversial. Everybody was to blame. Everybody was to in Everybody. Even the customers. Everybody 100%, 100%. must admit that.
0: hundred percent. Everybody was.
1: Everybody's guilty. We all got blood on our hands. So yeah. let's be honest with ourselves. When I got in the space, two out of three loans were done by the TPO channel. I believe that that evolves and comes back because it also gives you skin in the game. And sure. right now, there's too much risk transfer in the game. And I think people would understand that if they read the book, Skin in the Game. Very good book that talks about risk transfer, mindset, skin in the game, and soul in the game. You and I would be viewed, and some of the people as soul in the game, which is the final level, a way of what you're all in about. And more importantly, doubling down and becoming your best version. So I just thought it was the best fit, not just for the originator. I always have a consumer's mindset first. You know, we're all consumers, and I was an originator, so I got to think about them. And I know if I put them in the best position, it's going to automatically put the consumer but it's a reverse. Life works backwards. Think about the consumer, think about the originator, build your model. Right. And that's the future of the industry, which isn't really the future. I just think the ills of the crash and all that and the hangover of, I also think quantitative easing is not coming back. Part of the reason I think the industry is not going to see something for 18 months is because every time interest rates go down, a lot of people are unaware of this, the Fed turns on now what's called quantitative tightening, right. so they do QT. So what happens is you loved it when they pulled the lever to lower rates to keep the economy going, which I understand why they did it. But now you don't like it when you do it up this way. And right. you know we've got a record amount of demand. We have record low supply. You have the greatest demographics in American history because Gen Y and Gen Z, each of them are bigger than the boomer. So wow. you have more and more people that are morphing into that. You had COVID that then said, I don't know, I really want to live in much- Dense populated, which also allowed people to work from home. So, hey, I can live 30 miles out if I only have to go into the office once or twice a week and I get much more house and I get more clean air, whatever the psychology is behind that. That bodes very, 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 very well for the TPO channel. And I could probably teach a whole course, having lived it, really describe it in the chain of events. And I even know this cuz my guy was so graceful and vulnerable. He said, "Look, I'm losing loans cuz I'm not a broker." Right? Who heard that 10 years ago. He's like, "My agents have flat out told me I need more flexibility. I need more athleticism." And I get it, dude. I get it. Haven't had both channels and lived it all and and haven't had corporate retail and even the P&L structure. You know, it's just basic math at the end. I think it's like tennis. You know, when it goes to deuces and then it goes to who wins. And it goes to Advantage. I think it's Advantage TPO. Now, will that take a while to be created? Sure. I, I don't think Consumer Direct will ever have the same life that it once had because it had to live off rate and terms. And rate and terms are just not a sustainable model. They were for right. 30 something years, but now it's going to be purchasing cash outs.
0: Right. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, I always kind of laugh. That a lot of times, the rate and term refi guys are kind of like crack addicts. They're always just looking for that next hit, right? Like just the next deal because it's easy. I mean, things turn fast, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we're in a market where that doesn't really exist, and you know, you have to present value in a way that's not just like, "Hey, if this rate's lower, take a loan." So you have to get better at sales. You have to get better at understanding that there's a longer term sales cycle for purchase as well. And you know it's hard for people that are waiting term people to switch to the purchase minded because it takes ninety to one hundred eighty days to really sort of ramp inventory. into production. Yeah, and we're dealing with a market where it's even tougher, right? It might be more like one hundred eighty to three hundred sixty five days, you know, to really get your feet under you in a market where inventory shortages are rampant. Like, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a loan officer the other day. He's like, "Man, I already got like eighty pre approvals. Like, what am I gonna do with more pre approvals?" What else can you do? Like, all you can do
1: is get more pre-approvals. You never know if the next 20 months, they will all get deals approved, man. You yeah, yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Keep going, man. They'll fall. They'll fall. I mean, dude, I know people, look, that group of mine of retail, because they are some pretty good originators. There's still some doing in this market 20 loans a month. The difference is they were doing 50 or 60 before.
0: Right, right.
1: Hey, they're not starving. They don't like it, but who the hell likes getting their butt kicked?
0: I know, that's for sure. I mean, it's a growth experience though. So that's one of the things that I keep talking with people too, is like, you know, one, the only thing you control is your actions that you take on a daily basis, right? So many people focus on lagging indicators, one, the real true measure of what's going to get you those lagging indicators is the leading indicators, which is the actions you can control. We can't control inventory. We can't control rates. We can't control when someone gets into contract. We can influence those things, but we can't control them. And so what do you control? How many calls did I make? How many people did I talk to? You can't really control how many people you talk to really, because, you know, you call a hundred people, you may only messages. get to talk to... Yeah, but
1: you can use- to your advantage.
0: Right, right, right. 100%. But all you can control is you and your actions. That's the only thing. I mean, it's the three circles of control or whatever. I think it's Stephen Cutter. Price of
1: leadership. But here's the crazy part I can't tell you how many originators are going to keep falling off. Sure. And these agents aren't getting served. So you have no idea when you're going to get an agent that just falls in your lap. Right. You know, you just got to play what I would call the volume game and not volume in loan size, volume in is units. If I talk to The agents, I have better odds. I mean, don't you have better odds if you have better at bats? I mean, this isn't one of those that to stay in Major League Baseball, you got to hit three out of 10. You know, you can hit one out of 10, but if you have a 100 at bats versus somebody that has 10, you've won.
0: Yeah, you're going to hit more bats in or whatever, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: you got to get your lessons in.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's the biggest thing that I tell people is like, most of the time when people say, Oh, my business is not what I want it to be, it's like, Well, let's take a look at the actions that you're doing. And usually you can tell. And in this market, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, you have to do You know, two, three, four X the amount of effort and probably four X the amount of effort for half the amount of income. But it's okay because what I found, what I have seen in this market and for ourselves, like we've had to, uh, you know, adjust our offer. We'd have to, you know, get processes better, like stop the leaky bucket, get better at follow up, get better at, you know, making sure that like all our invoices get filled. Like all of that stuff needs, like just needs to tighten up, right? Like stop the leaky bucket. Whereas in 2020, 21, You could lose money on stuff and just be like, eh, whatever, I'm making so much money that doesn't matter. And so you just had to get better in this market. And I think that's a good thing for all of us because the people that do stick through this market are going to have a massive payday on the other side of this. They're gonna have a massive business that is now going to be a lot more resilient in any times of trouble. You know, it should be at least. And that's what I think is cool. I want to sort of get into, you know, some of the tactical things, but I do want to talk real quick about I know you guys have some cool programs. One of the things that we talk about all the time is we talk about marketing to niches, right? Finding niches that you can market to because if you market to everybody, you market to nobody, right? And so we really love your I think it's called the Empowered Down Payment Program, which is your hero angle program. But talk a little bit about your programs. Like what do you suggest to loan officers to go out there and market their businesses? How I see in a market right now, it's, it's tough. How do you suggest people go out there, market their businesses, use those types of programs that you have available to get in front of more consumers and obviously also realtors?
1: Sure. If I was an originator today, it'd be pretty simple. It's a one-two punch. You can market to everybody. You just can't start at that angle. Right. You know, because most people buying right now that are not interest rate sensitive, pretty much everybody is a first-time home or second. So right. there's a little bit of a need or a need of, I want to get right. out of poverty and build wealth. Right. Right. So there's right. a true motivation. You know, the ego buy-in is gone. People just either are in a loan-locked situation, as they're calling it, where they right. have an interest rate and they can't just give it up and they don't want to rent it. Mm-hmm. And even if they could, they just can't. Their ego just won't let them hang it up and take the higher interest rate. And who knows if rates ever go down again, but if you can afford it. So that's why I say is you're right. If you start with a niche, hey, I've got this down payment if somebody needs to do it. I have VA loans for the veterans. I have USDA. I have an FHA. Miraculously, you'll then get the eight paper stuff.
0: Right, right, exactly.
1: Because here's what I'm going to let you in on a little secret how I even built my career. The only reason I have the privilege of sitting where I sit today, and I always keep working towards it, which God rest my father's soul, because my father was in, you know, he was a contractor. And he says, Look, I ain't going to introduce any builders till you can do the tough stuff really, really well. If you mm. can do the tough loans well, easy is easy. Right. Now, does that also mean that you got to embrace conflict and hold people accountable? Sure, because there will be some agents that use you like a rag doll. And that's where you got to step up and say, I'm doing the tough stuff. I've earned the privilege. And I mean privilege. Right. To get the easy stuff too. Right. I'm the one there for you. I was talking to an originator this week who provides leads to the agents. I'm like, look, you need to get agents that are on your team.
0: Yes. They're not
1: giving you the other stuff. They're just using you. And you're providing the ultimate value, which is the consumer right now. So I would say if you start with the niche, then it's really easy to open up the vacuum. But if you're just saying, you know, I'm the jack of all trades, master of none, if you show you're a master at one, then, you know, you've seen it. You've seen the home improvement companies that started off with finishing basements and they still do that piece and put in pools. But then miraculously, they're now builders and general contractors is because they're like, oh, yeah, I do that as well. You allow for more conversation. Yeah. And there's higher respect if you know guidelines and they'll know that you studied your craft. And a lot of people respect that.
0: Yeah. I love that you talked about like that conversation of people that are on your team. Cause like the goal of giving back to agents is not that you're superior to them, it's just that you're on an even playing field. And for so long, real estate agents have been top of the totem pole. It's kind of why I started this podcast, to be honest, was because I really wanted how can we help loan officers with the status quo on real estate agents. If you're giving them leads, if you're giving them consumers, like before we get into RESPA, you know, issues and stuff like that, it's like, yo, but like at the same and time, I mean, you I need mean, to have I mean, an expectation. I mean,
1: but you have to yeah. say, look, man, I'm helping you feed your family. Right. Literally. Man, can you just be respectful back? And I know that if you've had Billy as your LO forever, but what's Billy doing for you? And it's not a what have you done for me lately? Get them to step up. Hey, you need to man out of Billy that they generate this stuff. And if that's right. what you want to do with Billy, great. You still yeah. left off at a better situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The biggest problem is people don't want to ask. Um, and that's the thing. There's the expectations versus agreements conversation, right? And so many people don't have that conversation. They just go in and say, hey, if I give them deals, like they're going to give me deals back. It's like, no, you need to have that conversation. Like, hey, here's the whole point. I'm giving you deals. I'm looking for a partnership. We're looking to work together to build our business. Now, if that's something something you want to do, great. If not, totally okay. I'll move on and I'll work with someone else that does want to do that, that does want to reciprocate, that does, hey, you know what? We're going to scratch each other's back. I'm going to give you deals. You're going to give me deals. And that's how we're going to do it. But again, I think part of it is just conditioning and just automated responses. Because again, I mean, most of the time real estate agents are on top, right? They have the leads. And because of that, loan officers are out, you know, putting their hands out looking for handouts. If you bring that value and don't sort of have that conversation around like, hey, like I'm bringing more and you have to be a competent loan officer, right? You can't just bring leads and be an incompetent loan officer. Let's be honest, you got to at least be a competent loan officer. And then you can start bringing leads. Like that's something that I think sometimes people forget is they think that, oh, I'm just giving leads. Like, you still have to communicate really well. You still have to close on time. Like if you're not doing those things, like that's the bare minimum. That's gonna keep your relationships. But if you're also doing those things and providing leads and showing them how to market the business and showing them how to use chat GPT and showing them how to, you know, use social media and showing them how to save time on those processes. Yeah, all of those things. And that's what you need to do in this market. Like you have to do and everything, unfortunately or fortunately, I guess it's just a higher barrier to entry now.
1: I tell you it's fortunately because the industry did need a little bit of a cleanse. Yeah, agreed. Sadly. Sadly, I don't you know. Anybody's demise at all. That's actually quite the opposite of mine. It's just you will lead to your own demise. And you just have to, you know, respect that. But you know, you touch on a good point because this is one thing that everybody talks about. And this is good about loans, is life. Everybody wants to be happy, mm-hmm. but happiness is a byproduct. And let's reverse it to the core. You can't have happiness without freedom. Well, how do you have freedom? You have to have you know liberty and self responsibility that's what you're really touching at the self responsibility piece but how do you have that it just goes down to courage it's simple that's what's irony about it it's simple but i didn't say it's easy i heard a great line one time make the hard decisions you'll have an easy life but they're hard
0: they are hard
1: they're hard they're not fun that's why i said the tough part of the final step of leadership it's brutal it's
0: brutal got To make those hard decisions and you got to make them consistently because the decisions as you grow also get bigger and harder and more difficult to manage. And you know, it's interesting, you know, when you look back at the past and you see, oh man, I was worried about that. That's what I was worried about <laughs> three, four, five years ago. Like, that's the thing I was worried about. I was uh, staying up at night because of that. I uh, now it's like, was you know,
1: tough and it's like. <laughs> You know, and you know this, when you have three, you're like, we've left man to man. You know, we got to learn how to play zone and cover and help and ask and be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, blessing. I mean, all these headaches are not really headaches if you understand why they occur.
0: 100%. Love it. Hey, let's sort of end with what would you do as like one tactical thing that someone could go out there today? If you were a loan officer again, like what would be the first thing you would do to go get more business right now or to go get business? Let's say you're just starting again or you're in this market.
1: Spend two hours a day on social media.
0: So talk about what you would do in terms of like tactically.
1: Don't say you're on social media and you're just scrolling. Be who you are. Be honest. Throw out there what you're looking to do. Hey, if you're having challenges, let me know how I can educate you. Give value. And then just interact with people as people see with me. It's nothing special. I didn't say it doesn't take time. However, you have to have the discipline to build that time. And people will genuinely after a while. It's why one of the greatest compliments is people think it's somebody in a chair or a bot that's answering for me and putting in all these messages. And it's not, I didn't say it doesn't require two hours of my day. And some days I don't, but that's where, you know, I think if a lot of people studied Gary Vaynerchuk, they'd be brilliant because he's the one that said, you got to give people your dollar eighty. That's where I got that from. That's not my own. Sure. I just lived it and voila. I mean, he's not Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk by accident. You know, right. I didn't have the privilege of getting to interview him Yeah, dude, you give people your two cents and a true two cents. And even, it's funny, like some people have imitated me how I write nice with a lot of eyes. First of all, it's not automated. Depends on how many times I hit the finger. I don't count. And that's really from the movie Hangover when they go to Mike Tyson's house. I forgot what happened when they stole the cop car. He's like, nice. That's what I'm really imitating in my head. So every time (laughs) I type that, that's just a fun memory of that movie. So if you spend two hours on and really put yourself out there vulnerably. I mean, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but here's the funny part about social media and TikTok and all those places. It'll get there pretty fast. I mean, I know young people that are crushing it right now. Right. And look, have fun with it too. I mean, have some fun. Who cares? I mean, post about anything. You know, you'll see me post about some stuff that I'm thinking about. It about, you know, my kids at a football game. Just be you. Eating raw That's- eggs. Yep. That did get me banned for two days. <laughs> And now I don't do that anymore because my cholesterol is getting a little high. So I now have to watch (laughs) my uh, saturated fat intake to have a healthier life. But yeah, Um, yeah. but that was like, man, checking, checking raw eggs ain't tough, man. I mean, before the advent of all these proteins that are so much more powerful, playing sports 30 years ago, that was a way that we did get a lot of our protein. And they said we had to do it raw. We had to do that a lot. So that's nothing I haven't already done before. And that's the key to leadership too, is you got to be willing to do what you've already done and more to show the way. You know, I love that saying talk's cheap. Useless talk is cheap if you don't do. Talk's not cheap if you actually do stuff.
0: Yes, 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 100%. It's funny to just to talk about that one second is early on in my time doing what I'm doing is I went to a conference and I kept saying to this guy, I know, I know, I know. This is like this guy had built a seven, eight figure business. And I'm like, I know. And he's like, you keep saying that word. I know. But knowledge is not just knowing it in your head. It's actually doing ever since then, like that's stuck in my head. Like I can remember the conversation like so perfectly in my mind, just because it was so powerful to me, like, just because I kept saying that I was like, oh, I know, I know that I know what I need to do. And then why aren't you doing it?
1: Which I'm going to break your heart when I say this is where most people get in trouble. It's because that's an arrogance. Yep. that lives Like think about why I just said two hours. Oh, well, there's no way. I got to take my kid. I got to do that. You don't understand life. Mm. Okay. I didn't say it was going to be easy, but it's that arrogance that they fight off regardless. I mean, Michael Jordan had a great story about that. He was running a camp and some like high school star. Oh yeah. It was OJ Mayo. Somebody like that came up to him and was like, yeah, I know. Or this is how you have to do it in this generation. He's like, wait a second, dude. I'm the greatest in the world. I like your attitude, but dude, this is stacked up on years and I get it, you know, because you're taught that let's toughen up, let's do this. Now, do I think people are malicious when they say that? Like you were saying, I know. No, I don't think you were malicious. Sadly, you're being malicious to yourself, but people can never understand the self-sabotage and self-deceit they put on themselves. I mean, nobody lies to themselves more than the eyeballs in the mirror. You're all honest liars. Sadly, that's just the human condition.
0: Yeah. Self-awareness is a hugely powerful tool to develop. And I still think there's things that we don't know. We don't know.
1: And that's the blind spots. Oh yeah. I'll never know much about physics. Don't care to either.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. We're here at the top of the hour. So thank you so much, Eddie, for your time. I do want to ask if someone wanted to connect with you, learn a little bit more about EPM and, you know, maybe getting approved or whatever, just learn more about you and your story. Where can they go to find you?
1: Well first off my pleasure thank you for the invite thank you for the opportunity and thank you just to be able to share this information because I know one or two people out there will make a difference for them and that's all you mm-hmm. can really search for is one person at a time. Right. On social very blessed with my name to have a very unique handle and Eddie EDDY middle initial G last name Perez P E R E Z and the suffix junior so you can find me everywhere with that exact same handle. And if you want to get approved with the team you know you could always reach out to my chief lending officer who's head of all the tpo kevin delori he's at literally kevin at epm.net he'll pass it on to the people you can always reach out to me eddie eddy at epm.net which i actually is the email that i see all the feedback because it's on every signature here that does provide a lot of value when people are sharing even some of the bumps and bruises and mistakes we made because it doesn't really matter. An organization will at times, especially when you're trying to do some of these tougher loans, right. any loan, something come up the last second, and there's going to be things that get mixed up and opportunities to improve. So I think that's one way. You, know, you can always go to our handles on social, EPM, Equity Prime Mortgage. You'll see plenty of the leaders, because that's one of the big things is, because I believe media is authenticity, which is leadership. There's plenty of our leaders that you see all over the place. And that was a journey that was very lonely that I started eight years ago. Bootstrapped it and showed the way and kept the discipline every day. And eventually, luckily, I have great leaders who saw the value and jumped back in.
0: Man, I love it. I love it. You know, thank you so much again for, my pleasure. Blessing us, my pleasure. for blessing us with this. Man, my biggest takeaways, you know, from today, you talked about authenticity being yourself. And I think in all forms of life, you know, I know that's the cliche thing people say, but I think so many times people, they want to show up as someone else online than they really are in person, and as soon as someone meets you, they're gonna feel that, right? And it also makes it so that you burn out on posting on social media and stuff like that because if you're, you're lying to yourself. Of course, you're gonna right, do. right, of course. And so it's like being you're authentic. To do what I do because I'm being me. That's yeah, it, and that's how I've almost always been like this too. It's just like I'm just very much about sharing my story and things like that because I do feel like to share that. So to me, it's like I agree, man. Authenticity is the key showing up, but then also the, your leadership, you know, conversations around leadership, you know, was a massive, and I watch your content on social all the time. You know, you talk about leadership a lot. just want to say, I really appreciate that content, you know, kind of leading from the front and just being that sort of person that shows up every single day to battle even on a market like this. So thank you so much for that. And for anybody who's listening, loan officers who are listening, if you are interested in learning how we can help you flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Loans on Demand podcast on LoansOnDemandPodcast.com.
1: This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.